0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio.
1: Spotlight, come here. Let me look at
0: you. Spotlight. I want to keep doing.
2: Hello, and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker, Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And as our guest for today, we're really excited because we have an academic colleague, but she's written a fantastic new book. Her name is Vanessa Patrick. She's a professor of marketing at Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston, and she's written a book called The Power of Saying No, The New Science of How to Say No that Puts You in Charge of Your Life. Vanessa, what a great title and what a great subject for a book. Welcome to our show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. So I started looking over your book. You were nice enough to send us an advanced copy. And I saw that you started your book off with this personal anecdote about a situation where you didn't say no to something and you ended up feeling really bad. And I guess you were determined to never let that happen again. I don't know if you were successful with that (laughs) determination, but it did motivate the writing of a book. Yeah. So tell us about that anecdote because that was a particularly telling one.
1: Right. So I start the book with this personal story because I think that a lot of people identify with a situation in which you find yourself stuck because you have been asked to do something that you really don't want to do and you don't feel that you have any options. And so the story really starts with my 24th birthday where I found myself spending the evening staring at a fax machine instead of attending my own birthday party. Which wow. was so sad. Wow, I might really,
0: start crying right now. Yeah. That's desperately sad, Vanessa. <laughs> it,
1: it really was. Um, and, and I look back and I cringe, thinking about the fact that I didn't have any power in me to be able to push back against the person who was asking me to do this extremely trivial task. And the task was wait for a fax from a client who says that they have received your fax. Gotcha.
0: So I sent the fax. Gotcha.
1: And I had to wait to say that the fax is received, which gotcha. is something that really, if you look at it in the wow. scheme of things, the most unimportant, the most trivial kind <laughs> right. of task you could possibly assign someone to do, especially on their birthday. Wow, <laughs>
0: that's a special that's kind of cruelty.
1: that. Yeah, I think about that, <laughs> yeah. uh, I really think about so many things that we do because we think that we don't have any choices and this is what, these are the things that we need to do to advance our careers, to keep friends, to maintain a certain reputation. And a lot of that is actually... A lot of it is in our own head. Mm. And so working out for ourselves what we should say yes to and what we should say oh, no to and feeling empowered to say no to the things that do not matter, mm. recognizing those things and saying no is really the reason I wrote the book. So before we get into the details of the book,
2: which are which are really interesting, but given our you know, we're your marketing colleagues and things like that, I'm really curious how you got on to this research stream. Because as we know, we have to Publish research in academic journals, and you're not allowed to like really base your whole research scheme on an anecdote. You know, like you have to have theory, and you have to become a world expert. And you know, we respect you. We know you are a world expert. So, can you tell us a little bit about your academic background um, and how that prepared you to start Mm. writing
1: this book?
0: Yeah how does how you how that made you say yes to writing this book?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the uh, the research that this book is based on is really comes from uh, papers that I published in the Journal of Consumer Research and the Journal uh, IJRM, um, and, which is the International Journal for Research and Marketing. And this was a work that looked at how to say no in a self-regulatory context. And so if you look back at the story of the Okay, wait, concept... you're,
2: we have people out there who aren't going to know what self-regulatory means. <laughs> a
1: self-regulatory content. We all know that. <laughs>
0: yes, but, uh yes. Why don't
2: you just like... Explain it to our listeners. Explain you your say... research without jargon. That's your test.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Okay, yes, I, can, yes. I can do that. Yes. So how do we say... So th- a lot of this research started with us trying to understand how do you say no to temptation? So temptation is uh, all around us. Mm. How do we say no to the chocolate cake? How mm, do we say no right. to that extra... Uh, episode that we want to binge watch. Well, how do we say no to pleasure when we actually have work to do? Mm. And so these are everyday temptations that oh, we experience in our daily yeah. life. Right. That let so me interrupt you for it.
2: one second. Let me just. It's very interesting that you think of that as how to say no because as you're setting up your research stream, that's a very big research stream in mm-hmm. in consumer behavior, but it's not yes. usually positioned as how to say no. It's kind of positioned on, as motivation research, which is a huge huge area of, of you know what are your goals what is your motivation and then do you do it by taking away vice or adding yes. virtue and that's kind of the framework i n- i never yeah. really thought of that as how do you say no i thought of that more as how do you motivate healthy behavior which is a very big area in our in our field yeah.
1: But at the end of the day, so the, this this idea is you have to say no to the temptation. Yeah. And you have to do it in a way that doesn't leave you feeling disempowered yeah. and deprived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, what That's we functional. did in this empowered refusal work that got published in the Journal of Consumer Research is we looked at how we frame the refusal to ourselves. So we can frame uh, a refusal using empowered language mm. versus disempowered language. So you mm. could, for instance, be faced with chocolate cake. And you might tell yourself, well, I really can't eat this cake. And that's a disempowered frame. As soon as you say you can't eat the cake, you feel deprived, you feel as if you, you cannot have something that you really want. In contrast, if you think about why you don't want to eat the cake, and you make it a kind of personal policy, or you make it a rule for yourself, I don't eat chocolate cake, or I don't eat dessert on weeknights, so, making it a rule that you set up for yourself, and using empowered language to communicate that that refusal, acts as self-talk,
0: uh, that's
2: and that's where the
1: self-regulatory
2: the thing system. comes yeah, in. Yeah. So you're because the self-regulatory theory is whether prevention or promotion. So it's essentially you're eliminating losses or uh, preventing losses or promoting yes. gains. I yes. guess that's the way the wording goes. Yes. And so what you're saying is rather than saying no to Chocolate cake because yes. it makes you feel like that's something you can't have. Yes. Think of it yes. in what's called a promotion frame, yes.
1: which makes it more empowering. Yeah. Is, is that- yes, and so we specifically look at the language the language. I don't versus I can't. Yeah, and language, of course, is very powerful in driving our own behavior. So we hear that. Yes. We hear ourselves saying, I don't eat chocolate cake. Yes. And we are more likely to risk. To respond to that
0: self talk. Yeah, let me ask this Vanessa and if this is consistent with what you are saying here psychologically. It seems to me like when you say I don't eat versus I can't. It seems like mm-hmm. I can't shuts the door off, right? So there are, there are less degrees of freedom to kind of, you know, move yourself around psychologically compared to the example you said, I don't eat chocolate cake on Thursdays is almost like this modulation where it's like, it allows me to say, but I can eat it on Wednesdays, as opposed to the strict language, which just cuts off any, you know, opportunity to have any wavering or any ability to even be in that domain. Is that kind of what's underlying the psychology of this self-talk?
1: Of it, but in in many ways, it's a like it's it's a decision you've made. When you say I don't, it comes across as determined. Can with con- you communicate your to yourself that's with conviction and determination, and that is why the, the it's more persuasive. You convince yourself that this I'm not the kind of person who eats chocolate cake on Thursday. Gotcha. Uh, and, and and you implicate your... So what we show in the work is oh, we implicate the identity. Yeah, it comes from uh, who you yep. are. Oh dear. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, no, you're
1: talking about oh, dear. my co host, the I brand know. identity theorist,
0: Ericus
2: Reed. You've yes, yes, suddenly got him on your side. I'm in my happy
0: place now, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. <Germans, it's> <laughs> no, I love this, though, because one of the things that I'm interested in language, one of the things I've been playing around yes. with, Vanessa, get your take on this, how it relates to this f- fantastic book and all of your research. We've been playing around with this idea of in the athletic exercise domain saying something that is like this I do athletic things versus i am an athlete and like what are the implications in terms of how i've uh, how i've created an identity investment in the latter versus the former i think there's some some similar Mm -hmm, kind of logic going here can you unpack this a little bit more
1: absolutely so there's research which talks about nouns versus verbs and nouns tend to implicate the identity Says who you are. It's much more stable Mm. across periods of time. Whereas verbs are things that you do. And I think Jonah Berger talks about this in his new book, Magic Words, as well. Uh, And I talk about it in my book as well. Because as soon as you talk about yourself in terms of nouns and describe yourself as the kind of person who does certain things, as opposed to the fact that you just do those things. Uh, it's very different
0: interesting I love this
1: okay
2: so let's go back to your book a little bit because you build on this for sure uh, yeah. this mm-hmm. research that you have about chocolate cake yeah. suddenly goes into much broader categories yes, it'll get to you to no. the birthday party yeah. instead of waiting for
0: faxes but apparently. I think <laughs> so you
2: have two parts you have two parts to the book yep. one part is why it's hard to say no and mm-hmm. then the second part is this art of the empowered refusal so yeah. like you're, you're it's, well, I think we've been talking more about the second Part in some sense, how to yeah. say um, refusal in a way that you don't feel like it's taking away things. But you start yeah. off the book with why it's hard to say no, which I think is really interesting. And there's a couple ideas that you have in there, which which is uh, really fascinating to me. And I think of it just as a given example, like why, when somebody writes me an email that I don't know, they feel like it is now my obligation to answer this stupid email. I didn't ask them to write it. And, uh-huh. you know, like Barbara, the-
0: tell us what you really think. Yeah. How do you feel about that email? But I think you
2: talk <laughs> about that kind of idea. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you yeah. know, uh, society favors the asker, I think, is your terminology. Oh, interesting. Right, right, right. And it annoys me because <laughs> yeah. why should that be, yeah. you know? So what, what are right. your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: so I spend a lot of time setting this problem up. And it is a problem, right, the ability to say no. And, and it is because we are socialized to say yes. More often than we say no, and so, so we are set up in a, we, a society where that if a, if a request comes your way or someone asks you a favor or someone sends you an email there's that social contract in place where you are just obliged to respond yes. and and so. not responding is rude yes. and yeah. inconsiderate, yeah. and so we've been brought up in this system where Askers get to ask and you don't get to say no. Uh, and so we need to kind of we need to kind of R- reset. Reset that yeah. idea. Mm. And think about the fact that our refusals so so empowered refusal is about starting with yourself, not looking at the ask. Starting with thinking uh. about whether you want to do this. So looking inwards as opposed to looking to please the other person. So Mm -hmm. when you look inwards and you realize that this is something you don't want to do, then you can frame your refusal. You can say no without guilt and without fear of, of repercussions because you are saying no to the request, not the requester. Oh. So if you do not respond to an email that some stranger has sent you, essentially you are not responding to the email. It's got nothing to do with the person. Interesting. It's not personal. It's that this is, this is not, you don't have the bandwidth, let's say, gotcha. to deal with all these emails. Gotcha. So I think as soon as you reframe this in your mind as, uh, as a refusal of the request, because you are giving voice to your values, yes. your priorities, your preferences, your beliefs, yeah. then you then you come across as more empowered.
0: Let me ask you this, Vanessa. I love this premise. It's very interesting. Talk to me about. The idea that for this to work as a reframe of the social contract, the person on the other side has to not take it in the way that you are. You know what I mean? So it's like you can't. If you're saying it's not about you, America's. I just didn't answer your email. America's has to say that's exactly a lot. By the way, I know I (laughs) I do, (laughs) but I have to be able to say, oh, it's Barbara. Barbara's not really you know rejecting me. She's just you know busy or doing other things. Or it's not. This isn't really something that she needs to be working on. That she's made that decision, and I'm not offended by it. So is that is that what happens for this to work?
1: Yes. And so, and so that's why making sure that you implicate your identity and communicate that this comes from who you are, you, you are less likely to get pushed back and people are not going to push you to do something that is not you. And so as soon as you um, communicate, based on that frame, you are better off. A lot of people, this is what I show in some studies, a lot of people reach for the first excuse they can find. Mm-hmm. And that is a bad strategy because excuses are essentially temporary. Oh, interesting. You know, It's as, like yeah, as, one, of the ten- the it's the one of the tenets <laughs> yeah. of
2: persuasion. Yeah. You know, whether you're using like high involvement or low involvement persuasion, yeah. when you're using low involvement, the number of arguments you throw at people seems to work because they're not really processing. But mm-hmm. if you're using Using high involvement persuasion, the quality of the arguments yes. do, do matter. So it sounds to me here like you're saying offering a Absolutely. weak excuse for saying no will actually backfire. Um, it, it could potentially backfire because now people are listening to that and they think less of you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas yeah. if you frame it the way you're suggesting, in a way, mm-hmm. they may not. Be, they may not be as angry, and it may you make it so they don't ask you
1: requests that they shouldn't be asking you in the future.
0: Yeah, very interesting.
1: Exactly. And Uh that's what I show. I show that people essentially go away and uh, in the short run, both excuses as well as the personal policies or the identity framework. But five years down the line, the identity frame still works. It's ha- it, it works so that people will not come back in the future because they know that you're not the kind of person who does that sort of thing.
2: That's cool. That's, so that that really answers my question because I was going to say, well, another way that I handle these emails I don't want to answer is – Another I
1: just, way that you don't answer my
2: emails. Yeah, Go ahead, Barbara. The other sure way you. is I just delete them. Oh, you, you just know? delete my Okay.
0: Like, now now you're telling me to my face. With that, but the <laughs> problem <good>. with that <laughs> is
2: it yeah. doesn't really solve the problem. Right. It takes it out of my yeah. inbox. Right. But it yes. doesn't really solve the problem. So your approach is going to solve the problem a lot better. Right. Let me reintroduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm here with America's Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And in this spotlight section, we are joined by our colleague, Professor Vanessa Patrick, who's a professor of marketing at the Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston. And she's written a new book on the power of no, of saying no. And we're asking her all sorts of questions to help us say no better, since we're both very bad at this. Yes. If you'd like to ask Vanessa or any of us a question throughout the show today, please feel free to call at 1-844-WHARTON- that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So let's go to another aspect, which is probably comes from your own research, although I'm not sure, um, that you showed that there's individual differences. Yeah, I wanted on to this. ask about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. gender
0: differences, right. yeah, pro- yeah, and so personality differences. Well,
2: one of the things you point out is people pleasers, mm. which is probably yeah. tied to gender and yeah. these other things. Did yeah. you
1: look yeah. at a lot of individual differences? Did you look at gender and things like that? So I looked at gender particularly because. There's research that shows that women are more likely to say yes to a workplace request. Mm. Women are more likely to be asked to do mm-hmm. non-promotable tasks. Mm-hmm. The non-promotable tasks are the tasks that do not contribute to your advancement in the organization. They are just tasks that need to be done, like cleaning out the break room refrigerator, bringing the coffee, writing, the, writing up the notes, Women are 44% more likely to be asked to do non-promotable tasks, Mm -hmm. and they are 76% more likely to say yes to those tasks compared to 51% of men. So this is clearly a problem that uh, women are more likely to face, and that makes sense given our earlier conversation about Socialization. Interesting. Women are much more likely to be socialized to be nice and mm. communal mm-hmm. and giving and givers as mm-hmm. opposed to takers,
0: which
2: is uh, Adam Grant's so, terminology. Yeah, yep. yes,
0: for sure, exactly. for sure. Thank for you sure. for
2: drop name dropping all our colleagues. <laughs> at... Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. But let me. Let, what is the opposite of the pe- uh, of the people pleaser? Is that the sadistic narcissist who doesn't care, <laughs> who will tell you no, but it has no problem saying no, 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 yeah, but will ask for lots pleasure. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, wait, is, is there a difference? What, what's the other end of that spectrum?
1: So it's, it's interesting because, you know, there are lots of people who say, I have no problem saying no. And I always go back and talk about the fact that say, learning to say no in a way that maintains your relationship with the other person and your reputation is key. It's not only about yeah. saying no. You have to do so in a way that that social contract is not completely disrupted. It's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. modified mm. in the moment to suit you. Mm-hmm. And so, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say I really like this
2: approach because it's not like a you know a, just a pop psychology approach that says do this, take you know do it this way, just say no, and here's what yeah. to say. Yeah. You're really basing it on psychological theory yeah. and why yeah. this approach makes sense. So it's really not about just a simple saying no; it's how you say no yeah. and it's how deeper. you position yourself for yep. the future. Yep.
1: That's that's exactly what I wanted to do. I don't want didn't want to provide just. You know, guidelines. Instead, I want to provide a mindset or a set of ah, frameworks nice. by which you can look at a problem and look at the situation that you uniquely are in and apply those frameworks to suit you. Because sometimes a yes may be a hell yes in some situations, <laughs> and in others, mm-hmm. it might be a resounding no. Yeah. And to figure out in the situation, is this a hell yes or is it a resounding no? It's really important to decide. Yeah,
2: you made that distinction in your book. I saw that. But but you were talking about a difference between a reluctant yes and a resounding yes. So yes. what was the point you were making there? So both of those are yeses,
1: but yes. what? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> many of us get stuck in these situations where we say yes and then when we want to say no. And so we land up resenting, the asker, feeling really miserable. That's what you were talking said about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are the reluctant yeses. And those reluctant yeses are very important to identify and learn from. So we need to kind of identify that we are feeling the sense of resentment for doing the stuff that we did not want to do. How do we make sure that we don't do it the next time? And so learning from those Re- reluctant yeses makes us better off in the so long run. So that's a
2: really interesting idea. So what's your bottom line on a reluctant yes? Should you say the yes? Be- you're doing yeah. it, obviously, for social reasons or trying to be a good person. Mm-hmm. You're not happy about it. Right. Um, and maybe, like America said, you don't even do a good job once you do it. Yep. Is your advice then it's better to say no or to go with that reluctant yes? So it's definitely better
1: to say no. Mm-hmm. When sometimes,
0: yeah.
1: but sometimes, But sometimes we are stuck doing stuff we don't want to do and we can't get out of it because we've committed to it or maybe it's it's really compelling that we need to do it in the moment Mm -hmm. but learning from that reluctant yes and figuring out how do i not get into the situation the next time is very important Mm -hmm. so i talk about this idea that called the psychological immune system which Mm. is a whole set of coping mechanisms that jump into play as soon as we experience something negative. So when we say a reluctant yes, we are very often likely to figure out ways to justify why we said yes, uh, to cope with it. Right. And we don't learn from those yeses, and so we end up making those same mistakes I again see. and again. Snowball. You see this especially with people pleasers. Yep. People pleasers, you know, they very often rely on that identity of being a people pleaser. They will just throw up their hands and say, oh, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So I get myself in this situation. But God, I'm really so honest, not.
0: People, please, <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Con- that's Yeah, never that's not. Uh, <laughs> that's not your problem, Barbara. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm sure there are people out there who feel that yeah, it's way. That's really funny. You know? <laughs> funny. They're an yeah. interesting species. Yeah. people that are like that. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. It's just so <laughs> alien concept.
0: All right, 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 right. Yeah, Barbara, you are you are a low self-monitor.
2: Yeah, no, yes, not you a you people are, please. Yeah. But I guess there are people out there that really do do that, huh? There
1: really are. They There really are.
0: This is awesome. I, I, this is I... because I'm going to know what to do next time. The journal asked me to do a review. Barbara. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. How, how many
0: how many no's can I put yeah, out there before be I get careful. kicked off the you're editorial review board? And, in, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's actually a serious problem. You empower all these people who are doing good deeds. They're people pleasers like you're saying, or they're no, that's interesting. the field of our you know, our field relies yeah. a lot on volunteers. Yeah. And um, we don't want to do it. But right. I do it out of a feeling it's a reluctant yes, but I feel like I have to do it. Like you were saying, you did say there's some situations where you feel yeah. like you
1: have to do it because you know, yeah. it's just part of the commitment is being a professional. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, right. But you can also think about the fact that if you said no, maybe you give other people the opportunity to do those things. Um, maybe there are more junior people, maybe yep. people who are not being looked at because yes. you are taking on all these tasks. Yes. One way to think about it is if I, if I didn't do it, people. I would yep. open the door and allow other people who might really need that reputational boost of being on an editorial board Fair. or being on a committee to be able to expose themselves and yeah. learn from that. So
0: you, you can say I no and be... talk about,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, you can, re, you can think about it as if I say no, maybe I'm giving someone else a chance to say yeah. yes and it matters. Uh, oh, it it's great great it's great it. a great point.
0: And you can be, you can be, you can, to Vanessa's point and all the research in the book that backs this up, you can say no, but be constructively helpful. And that person can walk away, yeah, they said no, but... They didn't leave me in a lurch. They didn't, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's beautiful. Excellent
2: insight. So yeah. don't delete the email.
0: Answer Stop the deleting email. my emails, Barbara.
2: Answer the Jesus. email in a more thoughtful <laughs> way. But you can still say no. Uh, yes, you can.
0: But you're, we're never going to change Barbara to a people pleaser. No, so she's just going to keep deleting my emails. So, be there out go. there. But I
2: Absolutely. do want to be a prof- uh, responsible professional. So I like that advice. Vanessa, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. So where can our listeners go to find your new book? I guess... Tomorrow the introduction day. Want to tell us yes, about that?
1: Yes, launching tomorrow. Uh, so it's available on where every book is sold: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. I have a website, vanessapatrick.net. Excellent. Get all the links
2: there. Yeah. Oh, terrific. Thank you very much. And you have a lot of quizzes in your book and a lot of ways to help you build this muscle of saying no. So thanks a lot for being with us. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing, and you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with Americus Reed, Business Radio Sirius XM 132.